0: Time once again for Second Helping, the podcast of choice of fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, longtime senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the On3 Network, checking in alongside my co-host and great friend, Mr. Brent Beard, college football analyst for more than three decades, probably four or more now. I don't want to date Brent this early on in the latest edition of second helping we'll we'll expose more of that as we move throughout today's show but brent always great to catch up here on the belly up sports network the podcast network that we recently joined we're certainly glad to be a part of belly up how you doing brent
1: trav can you believe that we are a week away from actually talking about games uh-huh. uh, a week zero now there's not a Uh, a a, a standing ovation type group of games but uh, at this point they're games and we've got an SEC team in Vanderbilt that's playing we've got the uh, AP poll out Uh, we've got maybe a maybe a slight hesitation in the uh, expansion realignment situation but but it it's a uh uh, you know, we we kind of wondered if we'd get to this time, Trav, and uh, and basically we're here. We're here amidst uncertainty in terms of the
0: future of the sport. I mean, you got a Pack Four now. We're trying to figure out what that's going to look like <laughs> moving forward. You're right, college football playoff is uh, still fluid. It seems like just college football, college athletics in general, yeah. man, it's the ever changing right. landscape. But we're going to keep it central to the Southeastern Conference as we typically do right here on the program. We're also, in addition to everything Brent outlined there for you, we're going to give you the game of the year for each of the 14 SEC football programs in 2023. Never too early to do that. Let's go around the league, Brent. Let's start with the Alabama Crimson Tide, Alabama coming off its first scrimmage. I guess the best news for Alabama, and really, knock on wood, a lot of the teams we're going to talk about today in the SEC, from an injury perspective, no news has been good news. But from a position battle standpoint, a lot still going on in Tuscaloosa, starting with that quarterback position.
1: Yeah, uh, and – I'm sure they've all they all have their moments we've got an important scrimmage that's coming up on Saturday and one thing I learned from Travis Ryer uh, probably what trapped a couple of decades ago is that second scrimmage basically sets the depth chart whether the coaches want to admit that or not right so uh, but Alabama still has uh, some battles in the offensive line with Elijah Pritchett and Caden Proctor. They've got some safety situations and, and could a Caleb Downs come in and, and, and make a difference A true freshmen. Uh, maybe the best running back room that Bama's had in quite a while. And you could have a freshman there in Justice Ains who uh, is going to be one of the better ones at this point. But, but Trav in the midst of all that, We've still got a smiling, almost joking Nick Saban after press conferences, so it's an interesting count for the Tide.
0: Yeah, if you're wondering if Nick Saban still has the requisite juice to coach at the level that he has for so many years, his press conferences, I think, have provided you with the answer on that. He has plenty of energy at the age of 71, and he's going to need it with this team because this is a team going into Middle Tennessee on September the 2nd, whether it's quarterback, whether it's left offensive tackle, uh, whether it is on the defensive side of the ball, at really all three levels, competitions are going to continue on. Now, I think the good news for Alabama fans in most of those cases is that it's because Alabama has quality options that they are working through. Uh, we'll see about quarterback and kind of how that plays out. Looks like Jalen Milrow. The quarterback situation looks like how it came out of spring. They went into fall. And added Tyler Buckner as the three guy from Notre Dame, and through that first scrimmage, I don't, I don't, I haven't heard or, or become aware of anything that would make me think that that pecking order has changed. Now one two might be close, you know, Milrose Simpson. Uh, we'll see about Buckner. Got a couple other true freshman quarterbacks, including Dylan Lonergan there that I think have potential as well. Uh, but that, that's the feeling you get. You're right. You want to come out. of You have to really come out of that second scrimmage with uh, pretty much a depth chart in play. Now, you know, you think about 22 guys on a two deep on each side of the ball. But, you know, for Alabama, it, it could, once all the oars that we see on Alabama depth <laughs> yeah. charts from time to time are taken into account, that number could get into the 50s total really? for the offensive and <laughs> defensive sides of the ball. So we'll see about that. But what about a game of the year for you? when it comes to the alabama crimson side brent and when i say game of the year I, I don't necessarily mean the most difficult game potentially for a team because when you play certain opponents can factor into that right i mean oh yeah and and so but from a game a defining game of the year um for alabama who do you have circled for that
1: well i i'm, I'm- I think the obvious one is, is LSU um in Tuscaloosa after what happened last year the game that Alabama could have won a divisional um, frankly championships on the line uh that that's going to be important but but again uh with with the games they've got before that they've got some very important ones then but but I I would go with the Tigers because Whoever wins that game is going to have an advantage uh, going in uh, as November just begins.
0: Yeah, I think it's LSU. And I know some people who read my stuff at BamaOnline.com or listen to these podcasts are thinking, Travis, you've been talking a lot about Texas. Now, if we're talking about most difficult game, I think it could be Texas. Yeah. Because of where Alabama sees Texas on the schedule there in week two, a team in Alabama that could still, again, be figuring some things out. Uh, As far as punching a ticket to where Alabama wants to go, it's still LSU. And that's not to discount the challenge that Tennessee will represent, too, in October. But you said it, divisional game with LSU. Tennessee is not a divisional game. Uh, Texas isn't a conference game yet. Soon to be, but not this year. And so I'm with you. I go with LSU there uh, in early November. The good news for Alabama, we talk about these kind of games, pretty much all of them, Brent, are in Tuscaloosa. And interesting for Alabama, too, preseason ranking at number four. Been a while since we've seen Alabama somewhere other than 1-2, I guess.
1: Yeah, and and I'm guessing probably Nick Saban is okay with that. First time since oh9. Uh, by the way, uh, when they were uh, number five. But, but, but again, uh, Alabama being the uh, hunter instead of the hunted, and uh, uh, Trev and, and, and appreciating where Nick Saban is, I've got to think he, he likes with this team uh, with the mystery that's there and no one expecting them to do that much this year.
0: Let's get into the Arkansas Razorbacks as we move through 2023 fall camp. What about Sam Pittman's team here a couple weeks into uh, preseason work,
1: Brent? Well, the big thing, and we've outlined this from time to time, is their secondary. And what they have done to shore that up, Uh, they've added Georgia transfer, Jaheem Singletary. By the way, Travis Jacksonville kid. How about that? Yep. Yep. uh, who they, they really like, has come along uh, well at this point. Uh, they Dwight McLaughlin is a, is a projected starter at cornerback, uh, so they like what McLaughlin has done. Uh, second team, SEC last year, uh, and obviously have got to uh, shore up that, that safety position too. Hudson Clark, and Alpham Walcott. Now, look, I, I'm not I'm not saying this is going to be the best secondary in the league, but the Trav. At this point, uh, I, I've got to believe, and unfortunately, uh, the, uh, the they they've lost some guys uh, either due to injury or to the NFL. Uh, but uh, I think this secondary could be. Uh, I don't think they'll be great, but they'll certainly be improved, which would help that. De- that defense immensely.
0: Yeah, they got to be better on the back end. No doubt about that. And, you know, typically when you think about Arkansas, too, there's tackling machines at the linebacker position. Yes. seems like every year Arkansas has a linebacker with like 1,238 tackles in 13 games. Uh, it's been really amazing to watch. So I'm interested in that position, too, and how they transition from some long time contributors there especially on the inside got the one and done and drew sanders who came in from alabama last season he's off to the nfl uh names synonymous with linebacker play really in the past bumper pool um some of those guys that you you think about as well and uh, so when we talk about a game of the year possibility for the arkansas razorbacks i look at this schedule and i see BYU in week Three, uh, that could be a defining game in terms of bowl eligibility. Ultimately, uh, then the Razorbacks go to LSU a week later before coming back to get Texas A&M uh, on Saturday, September the thirtieth. I mean, it's just there's not a lot of breaks uh, yeah. in this schedule, and so I'm going to still go with Missouri though in the season ender there, regular season ender on Friday, November the twenty fourth. That's a game that's going to be at Reynolds Razorback Stadium. And you kind of get the sense bowl eligibility and maybe even yep. the big picture fate yes. of Sam Pittman could be be on the line when when Mizzou comes to town.
1: Travis, I'm going in with that A&M game mm-hmm. uh, in in uh, Arlington. Then, as you know, that's a tremendously emotional game for them. It's the game after LSU. They don't need to start 0 2 in the conference. And I think if they could win that game, and that's going to be a fascinating game in a lot of ways when you compare both those both those teams. Uh, and I'm guessing Bobby Petrino has already looked at that Arkansas secondary and probably likes what he's seen. But I, I think just if they could win that game and be one and one going into Ole Miss the, the next week, I think that would probably do wonders for them. Uh, but, but look, uh, as you said, with this schedule, okay, you beat A&M. Jeez, you, you're on the road with Ole Miss and Alabama. Uh, mm-hmm. and, then, uh, and then you got Florida, three out of four. Uh, so they, they need a big win in the middle of that schedule, don't they, Trav?
0: You know, I talk about the Mizzou game. I think if you're being realistic about this Arkansas team, even with K.J. Jefferson back at quarterback, uh, if you're even 6-5 and five going into that game, uh, yeah. y- you should be pretty happy. I-, I understand there's Arkansas fans out there that feel like, no, this is a team that, under Petrino and, and some other coaches, we've seen them challenge uh, going back to Houston Nut and in- the SE. Totally different landscape these days. Uh, it, 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 it literally flipped in 2007 with the arrival of Nick Saban at Alabama. How about the Auburn Tigers sprint? Uh, as Hugh Freeze moves towards his initial campaign as the boss of those Tigers. Um, Quarterback situation, another one. Is there anything happening on the planes that that gives you a little bit of a sense of how that situation might be unfolding? I know when you see a team go to the transfer portal for a veteran like Hugh Freeze did, you, you sort of think this could be the guy. So what are we thinking there with with those candidates behind center at Auburn? Uh,
1: I, I think uh, the, the logic goes on Peyton Thorne and, and bringing him in. But uh, you're, what you hear from Hugh Freeze is that Robbie Ashford and Holden Gurner have both played a uh, pretty mistake-free ball uh, and, and that he may – I'm sure he's going to be. He's got the schedule to where they can rotate a little bit and play with this with UMass, Cal, and Samford, but um, uh, and they can lean on the running game a little bit too. He he likes these running backs. Brian Batty has come along. Demario Austin, Jarquez Hunter's back. We thought he would be, and Jeremiah Cobb. Uh, so I, I still think Horn, Thorne probably gets it, but, uh, Freeze does a good job with the quarterback. So it may be a little bit before we actually know that, but I know this is a broken record, but Trev, I'm still more concerned about their offensive line than anything else, uh, that they, they've got to get off to a good start with that offensive line playing better than he did last year. A lot of transfers there, And how that offensive line goes, I think, is going to take uh, a lot of pressure off those running backs and quarterbacks, could it not?
0: Absolutely. And when you think about a game of the year for the Auburn Tigers, I'm tempted to go week two with that trip to Berkeley to take on the Cal Bears. That's going to be a late night. Uh, Enjoy Pac-12 after dark while you can. Yeah, um, because it's it's it might be leaving the building as we know. Uh, that's a 10:30 Eastern kickoff on ESPN. So get the coffee ready. Um, <laughs> and what a big Saturday that's going to be uh, around the SEC. Uh, that you're going to have that Alabama-Texas game uh, prime time, taking you right into Cal Auburn uh, for that double dip there in the in the nighttime hours. So, but where I'm going is right there in late October. I'm going to go Ole Miss. Ole Miss at Auburn, October the 21st, because I can envision a scenario, Brent, where Auburn is perhaps three and three yeah. after six games, yeah, Right. maybe win the first three, and then you get A&M on the road, Georgia, yes. and LSU on the road. Oh. And then you get Ole Miss at home, uh there in late october. I'm I'm going with uh the, the visit from Lane Kiffin and the rebels there.
1: Well well I'm going with A&M because uh, of just what you said. Uh Trav if they don't beat A&M, they started 0-3 in the conference. Yeah uh, I, I think that's very obvious. And, and look to your point if they were to stub their toe in a in a close game uh at, at Cal you're talking about being in the midpoint of the season, Travis, uh, with what maybe two wins, yeah, and that, it, it went, two and four, yeah, that'd be a rough start uh, for Hugh Freeze and that coaching staff.
0: Yeah, I'm probably giving Auburn too much credit in that matchup with Cal. I'm kind of giving Auburn that game, but I, I don't, I don't think it'll be easy. Oh no. Uh, regardless, no. but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Auburn gets it done. Uh, out in Berkeley in week two and and has that potential three and three start before Ole Miss ventures to Jordan Hare there on October the 21st. So let's talk about the Florida Gators. Uh, we kind of anticipated it, but it's official, I guess, at this point. Graham Mertz going to head into the season as the starting quarterback. Um, I know you've got some interesting notes as it relates to Florida season opening opponent. We talk about non-conference games that could be defining for teams early in the season. Uh, Utah certainly qualifies, I think, for Florida from that perspective. But, man, it just feels like there's a, actually a growing sense of optimism about this yes. Florida team as we get closer to the season.
1: Well, some of that may be a little bit misplaced. There, there, are, two, there are two opposing quarterbacks I want to mention real quick. Jaden uh who was with Florida for a cup of coffee Gator fans remember that name in the recruiting wars is out at Arizona state. And because of a bunch of injuries, there's a chance of Jaden Rashad Amena being the starting quarterback. I just wanted to throw that in there because Drew Pine, the Notre Dame transfer uh, is banked up with a hamstring injury. Trav to me that the, the big thing here is uh, a lot of talk about Utah and Cam Rising not playing. So um, is he uh, – and they may be down to a third-string quarterback because their second-string quarterback uh, is hurt at this point. And, and I get all that. But, but look, I, I, and I'm hearing this like you are, growing confidence if Cam Rising doesn't play. But, Trav, look, I remember real well that Southern Cal game in the, in the Pac-12 championship – where Utah had their will uh, against uh, Southern Cal the entire night, yeah. ran all over them. And and Trev, my my question is more than the quarterback. Is I mean Utah is physical like an SEC team. Can Florida deal with a physical Utah for four quarters? Is my main question right now. Yeah, I think there's this sentiment out there that.
0: Hey, Florida is really better than Utah at every position, other than quarterback. So if Cam Rising can't go or is extremely limited, well, Florida's the better team. I I, I don't know if I necessarily fall in line with that. Right. But when right. we talk about most important, our biggest games uh, of the season for these teams, I, I'm I'm again I'm tempted to go right there at the top of the schedule with a non-conference opponent. Uh, for Florida with that trip to Utah on August the 31st. Remember, that's a Thursday night matchup out in Salt Lake City. You're going to have all the eyes of the college football world on that one. So heavily scrutinized. But when I really look at it, you know, I think Tennessee uh, in the SEC opener on September the 16th, uh, a place where Florida has been wildly successful against the Tennessee Vols, Um, win or lose at Utah. Uh, yeah, and, and then you get McNeese State on September the ninth. I, I just I think Tennessee and, and how that game plays out. And it was a close one in Knoxville last year. Um, but if Tennessee follows up last year with another win this time in the swamp, uh, that that's that's going to be tough for a lot of Florida people to swallow.
1: Uh, well, <clears throat> and also you've got Joe Milton as the guy. Um, uh, it, it, in that game, too. But one I'm looking at would be Kentucky. They go to uh-huh. Kentucky after Charlotte. Kentucky has had success. Um, Travis and I love Mark Stoops and what he's been able to do. And I'm telling you, Trav, I'm, I'm just hearing more and more. Liam Cohen is back as offense coordinator. Uh, Devin Leary, a quarterback, has, has looked really good offensive line better we know what those receivers who are going to be sophomores this year who were tremendous freshmen last year um uh, look if if florida wants to work their way up that eastern division ladder isn't kentucky a game uh, i mean we know about Georgia and tennessee but i think uh, some of these other games travel like hey kentucky uh, the Gators need to get their thumb back on that one pretty quick, don't
0: they? Yeah, the reality for Florida right now anyway, and it could change as we get into the season, and maybe this team is more than some of us are anticipating, is that we're making selections for this based on where we see Florida today. Yeah. So where we see Florida today is more in that realm of Tennessee. And you're right, the trip to Kentucky. Um even Vandy in South Carolina, on the heels of that game with Kentucky, that stretch uh, is going to be big. They're all big. They should be at Florida, but I don't really, I don't really look at Georgia or Florida State right now and say that's the game of the year for Florida. I, I'm, I'm looking more at where my expectation is in terms of Alabama, in terms of Florida in the pecking order. Yes. Uh, starting in the SEC East. Uh, and then going from there. What about the George Bulldogs? Uh, you talk about a team with a tumultuous offseason and no news being good news. It sounds like that's been the case for the Dogs thus far in the preseason.
1: Yeah, and by the way, nothing yet on the quarterback, but I think most of us think Carson Banks going to win that job, The um, who obviously is from Jacksonville. Also, they did have a... Uh, an injury with their freshman tight end Lawson Lucky, uh, who showed some promise, frankly, six three two forty. But uh, Trev, if you're going to lose a guy with Brock Bowers and Oscar Delp and Pierce Berlin, um that that is probably uh, uh, one of the places where they can afford to do it. But look, I, I'm I'm with you. I still say. And I've asked some media friends who beats Georgia and their answer is Georgia. Uh, can, yeah. can, can Kirby corral them during this season and keep them focused during, uh, during the four months they need to play?
0: Yeah. The, 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 the team in the mirror, I guess you could say Yes. Uh, when you, when you look at, at Georgia for this upcoming regular season and, uh, when we talk about a game of the year, I I don't know how you you look at any other team on this twelve game slate than Tennessee and Knoxville. Boy, late in the regular season too, November yeah. the eighteenth. So, um, and that comes on the heels of what could be an interesting game with Ole Miss. Yeah, right. Ole Miss yeah. visits Athens on November the eleventh. The thing you worry about with a team like Ole Miss is that from a depth perspective, what has the effects of a long season taken on Ole Miss uh, at that point. Now, look, similar spot a year ago against Alabama, Ole Miss gave Alabama everything it wanted in in yes. almost this exact same spot uh, for four quarters in Oxford. So held up pretty well uh, at that point in the season against Alabama. We'll see what Lane still has in the tank uh, at that stage, but I'm I, I don't know, yeah. Uh, Tennessee has to be the pick here.
1: Yeah, well, and, and I agree with that. in uh and, but, but I will say early on, you know, there's no way South Carolina is going to beat Georgia. They that they don't have that person. It's an interesting deal. trip
0: though. It yeah,
1: is. But but I'm just Trev. I'm just envisioning what it, what they've got a few more weapons. Actually,
0: it's in Athens, so it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, they killed South Carolina at Williams Price last year.
1: They did. They but. But what if 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 George is bored and um, and Spencer Rattler actually has some weapons, and they get a little bit of uh, hot, could could that be a challenge for for two and a half to three quarters? I wonder and and uh, uh, but 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 again, uh, George's start. and the good thing for them is they've got whoever the core is going to be, and if it's Carson Beck, he will have plenty of time to get ready for uh, Tennessee in November.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because you can look at that South Carolina game a couple ways. We, we saw enough from South Carolina late in the 2022 regular season with those wins over Tennessee and then on the road at Clemson to think, you know what, this team's going to have some self-belief Yeah. Uh, when it goes to Athens. The good news for Kirby on his Keep Them Motivated tour – that he's going to embark on is that he's going to be able to say that same thing to his team. You know, if you, if you think this is going to be easy, this is the same team with the same quarterback that beat Tennessee, that beat Clemson, you know, late in the 2022 season. So uh, some ammo, I guess you could say from a motivational standpoint for Kirby to lean on there early in the campaign. What about the Kentucky Wildcats? As you've talked about earlier, Uh, appear formidable with Devin Leary coming in at the quarterback position over from NC state. Want to see if that offensive line can return to the previous standard Mm -hmm. uh, from a few years ago. Certainly wasn't the case for Kentucky up front uh, uh, in 2022. So uh, what, what's the word from Lexington thus far during the preseason?
1: I think they're very happy with where they are and how things have come back together for them uh, again, as we mentioned, particularly with Liam Cohen coming back from the NFL and running that offense, but I do think that defense for Kentucky uh, will be fine, too. Uh, and, and look, I, I Trav, besides Georgia, is there anybody that has a schedule that is set up for them like Kentucky with Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, and Vandy – and as we mentioned a minute ago for Florida, I, I'll, I'll go with that. Florida will basically be their first test that they've got. It's at home before they go to Georgia. So, uh, look in that, and, and it gets much tougher for Kentucky after that with Florida, Georgia, Missouri, and Tennessee, uh, Trev, they need to be two and two, uh, after that foursome, Uh, And I think they've got the team to where they could do that. You know, I'm going to go with,
0: I'm going to go with the Louisville Cardinals. Yeah. In the regular season finale. I don't think people understand the folks in the uh, Commonwealth. They care about that game. I Uh, know. I know it's a basketball thing. First and foremost, we all understand that. Um, But you got Jeff Brom coming in there now. Yes. At Louisville from Purdue. And, um, it's going to matter to Jeff Brom a lot, Sure uh, a guy that, that obviously has roots and ties with the, uh, the Louisville program. So, uh, I think Kentucky will be improved. I think Kentucky, uh, you think about the month of November before the Louisville game, that, that trip from Alabama up there is fascinating to think about at that point on the schedule. But, um. You know, I, I'm going to go Louisville. I, I don't have the expectation of Kentucky legitimately challenging in the East, so I'm going to go with uh, what what I think is the next biggest game uh, for the Cats, and and that's that's uh, that's UL. So as we keep it moving here on second helping, and we get into the LSU Tigers, boy, some interesting stuff involving, I guess, Denver Harris. Uh, sort of beleaguered defensive back, I guess yeah. you could say yes. uh, his status with the team following, uh, what a ruckus and yeah. uh, some other things going on. It, it seems like whether it doesn't matter who the coach is at LSU, whether it's Ed Orgeron, Brian Kelly, uh, go back to Bill Arnsberger for, for, for if you want to, <laughs> but um, there, there always seems to be these kind of things that go on that get out, that get talked about yeah. at LSU.
1: Yeah. Well, Denver Harris is a transfer from Texas A&M. And as Brian Kelly said, he's out working, traveling, some personal matters. Yeah. Said said he may get back as early as this weekend. Now, people haven't heard this uh, very much, I don't think, but they have had a loss. J, uh, J.K. Johnson, cornerback from uh, Ohio, he's an Ohio State transfer. Got a leg fracture, so he's out for a while. And look, they've got mm. they've got depth everywhere, but this is a guy, Travis. They were counting on, and it made some significant improvement uh, along that line. So, uh, J.K. Jefferson, one I think one of the more meaningful injuries we've seen so far this year. Yeah, you talked
0: about Lucky at Georgia, the tight end, uh, with his injury, and and uh, we'll talk about another. SEC tight end here in just a little bit, uh, who had a really rough injury and uh, tough to see for both himself and Texas A&M. Uh, but when I think about, you know, LSU schedule and a game of the year, uh, there's more than one candidate. I know it's it's easy yeah. to just look at Alabama and rubber stamp it, and that's that may very well be who we both select here. Uh, but Florida State is going to, I think, for both teams, it's going to validate or refute yes. some things uh, about the Tigers and the Seminoles there in Orlando on Sunday night, September the 3rd. Still, though, similar to Alabama, even with Texas early in the season and the the, the magnitude and the intensity and the uh, exposure that we're going to see with that game, uh, for LSU to get to where it wants to go, it's still going to come down to Alabama on November the fourth, isn't
1: yep. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with that, um, and, and that'd be an obvious choice. But I'm going to go with that Mississippi State in September. Hmm. Uh, and, and, and and listen, if I'm crazy here, tell me, Trev, I think State could be laying in the weeds for them a little bit. I, I'm, um, uh, uh, and and where I'm coming from that is. And Zach Cornett talked about this a lot in Media Days. This is a senior laden team. Uh, they I, I are mean, all over that defense. the uh, uh, defensive tackle, they really like along with Nathan uh, Pickering. That these linebackers Pickering. and in uh, Nathaniel uh, Watson and J- Johnson. Uh, uh, and I do like that. I do like their offense with with Will, Will Rogers. I'm not saying state's going to necessarily win the game, but that game being in Starkville, and if and if LSU's a little full of themselves, if they beat Florida State, then they play Grambling. Tra- Trav, I, they, and this could be a little testy game for them, could it not?
0: Yeah, you're right. State, in terms of, we'll talk about the Bulldogs here, here in just a minute, but. terms of returning production, you have to like that defensive front seven and the fact that now you've got a defensive-minded head coach um, in Zach Arnett running things. uh, You you sort of feel like you're going to be able to count on that side of the ball playing at a high level. I do worry about the back end of that Mississippi State defense. And when I think about LSU's uh, returning wealth at the wide receiver spots. uh, But I'll say this. I think a lot of people look at LSU and think, first and foremost, safety corner, sub-package roles, and the secondary where you got to be strong. I think it still starts up front against LSU. No doubt. Because, if, if anything, I, I want Jaden Daniels to beat me throwing the football. Yes. I, I don't want him to be able to beat me running the ball. Because that's still where it starts for him in it that is. offense. It is. Um, If I can make him make throws – on a consistent basis, then I'll take my chances with that. And so, and obviously, uh, as we'll get into in just a little bit with Mississippi state, a lot to consider on the offensive side of the ball, uh, with the passing of Mike Leach and the transition uh, there for the program and s- certainly the offense specifically. So there are picks for LSU. Let's talk about while we're moving through this, speak of the devil, the Mississippi state Bulldogs. So, uh, you said it. Maybe kind of like Florida over in the east. In the west, I, I do detect some folks that think this is a team in Mississippi State could be laying in the weeds. But again, offensively, um, I, I think it I think it works well in that when I look at Mississippi State at the receiver position right now, I don't see much to get excited about. No. But this is no longer the air raid either that we're going to have. And, and you're one under Zach Arnett.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I would agree with that. And, and look, uh, could you say Marks is a uh is a guy that a lot of people Marks. Uh, uh, Trav, I don't think people have enough respect for this guy. Uh I mean Marks in this new offense. Trev, could he be a could he be a thousand yard, twelve hundred yard back if they if they actually commit to the run?
0: He could be. And um, part of me thinks that he needs to be Uh, not because, you know, Will Rogers can't get some things done throwing the football again. I just think they're going to be far more run game centric than they were uh, under Mike Leach. I think a byproduct, though, of Mike Leach's offense is that Woody Marks can be effective as a receiver as well. So yeah, I, I think it's a it's a big season for Woody Martin. I guess my thing is if you if you run him two hundred, two hundred and fifty times, how does he hold up yeah, over sure. the course of a season? So um he, he's not a small small back, but he's not the biggest back either. So when we look at this Mississippi State schedule, uh where do you go for your game of the year, Brent? Is it as easy as the egg bowl? Um is it perhaps uh a matchup with, like, like you talked about earlier, with LSU there in the month of September?
1: Yeah, well, uh, 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 yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be a huge game. But, but I, and, and look, I, I'll lump these two together. Uh, I think that Arizona game is going to be important for them, right? I mean, with yeah. uh, <clears throat> uh, what Jet Fish has done with that group is interesting. They've got some promise there. But, yeah, that... That LSU game is going to be crucial, and and, and boy, oh boy, Trevor, how many team, how many teams have got uh, uh, two out of three uh, in a row in September? LSU, South Carolina on the road, and then Alabama.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm going to go South Carolina for Mississippi yeah. State in the yeah. month of September because you're going to have to go on the road to Columbia. But you're going to be getting a South Carolina team coming off a road trip to Georgia. So it would seem like a a good spot on the schedule for Mississippi State. And in terms of uh, critical nature, you know, this is a Mississippi State team that opens SEC play at home with LSU on the 16th, then goes to South Carolina on the 23rd and then gets Alabama and Starkville on the 30th. So I'm going to go with that sandwich game that road trip to South Carolina when I think about Mississippi State in a game of the year. So let's talk Ole Miss football in the preseason. Brent, uh, anything new to come out of Oxford in relation to the quarterback position because there was an anticipated competition, didn't really seem to play out that way in the spring? What's the carryover been like for Lane Kiffin's team?
1: Uh, That Jackson Dart is still the guy. Yeah. Uh, and he has improved, uh, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But look, they, they've got a real intriguing problem here because they've got Spencer Sanders, uh, who comes over from Oklahoma State, that's played, what, like 30 games uh, as a starter. So you've certainly got him in the bullpen, and you wonder what his attitude's going to be. Um, at this point, you've got Walker Howard from LSU that probably is your quarterback of the future. And then they've got this kid, Austin Simmons, that almost went to Florida, who they really like. The ball comes out of his hand well, got a really good skill set that he's not going to play, but it, but it appears right now that, uh, that Jackson Dart, uh, is going to be the quarterback. Uh, and and again, um, as you and I've said, and it needs to be said again, Lane loves to run the football. And when you've got Quinchon Junkins and uh, Ulysses Bent, Bentley, who is healthy, I think you've got to be able to do that. But, but Travis, again, he brought over, Lane did about 14 transfers on the defensive side of the ball. And... It, it takes a while to learn that Pete Golding defense. So I I still say as good as they'll be doing offensively, uh, that they'll go as far as their defense takes them right now.
0: Yeah, game of the year for Ole Miss. I, I, I need to, you know, I, I keep getting into these September games. You got to be careful with those. <laughs> um, boy, what a schedule for Ole Miss too. And you go to Georgia, uh, you get LSU and Oxford. Um, you go to Tuscaloosa, uh, but I'm going to go with uh, the LSU game to yep. end the month of September uh, because you are coming off that road trip to Tuscaloosa on the 23rd. Uh, but there's some there's some options beyond the more obvious choices on the schedule. I mean, even the the game against Tulane on September the 9th, uh, in in terms of bowl, not just eligibility, but pecking order ultimately uh is is likely to be very big so i'll go with LSU though that game's in oxford uh if you can cap the month of september let's say you're i don't know 4 and 1 at that point uh because you beat LSU uh in oxford uh that's that's a that's a that's a hell of a start i would think for Ole miss
1: uh well there's no doubt about that and, and look i'm going with that two lane game I think that Tulane game could be incredibly important for them. And, and, and Travis, how good is this Michael Pratt at quarterback? He's, uh, he's legit. He really is. And, and look, uh, Willie Fritz staying at Tulane. Uh, no, look, I, I'm not saying what, what Willie Fritz is Dick Saban, but the reality is, uh, uh, Travis, is it that too far in the future if they continue to play the way they played that? that Willie Fritz may get a power five offer pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I would think so. He's done a nice job down in new Orleans. You know, we kind of looked at, um, uh, we, we've looked at games like this in the past and thought, wow, this, this, this could be a, a heck of a matchup. And it, it, it doesn't always play out that way, but, uh, I think that game has potential for sure, uh, especially early in the season. Um, uh, but, but Ole Miss Tulane, uh, that that's that September the ninth again, too. I mean, that's a game that's gonna it be is. that's a game that's gonna be in that three thirty Eastern slot. So yeah. you'll have Ole Miss Tulane, uh, three thirty. You'll have Alabama, Texas primetime, and then late night you'll have Auburn Cal. So I think we've <laughs> already got our plans made.
1: Uh, <laughs> no question. Already got
0: our plans made for that weekend. <laughs> uh, what about Missouri, Brent, as we move along here? The Mizzou Tigers. Uh, a team that appears set at quarterback. I think they've got some nice quarterback depth, though, and you expect that under Drink, but um, it's some big NIL news in the last few days. I guess uh, uh, now in in the state of Missouri, it's pretty much you can rock and roll with it, and that's good news, you would think, for Eli Drinkwitz, but on the field, what are we learning about this team here?
1: Well, I still think this is Brady Cook's job to lose, but uh drink with Hussain Brady Cook, uh Sam Horn and Jake Garcia, who came over from Miami or uh are really too close to call uh at this point. Kirby Moore is their new offensive coordinator because uh drink basically said that they needed to get a better offense, what he was calling. I thought that was interesting, but they return 80% of their offense and 80% of their uh, their defense. I, I'm going to go with their defense. I, I I don't know if if drink has been giving the uh, uh, the credit that they have done uh, to where they're a much better defensive team than they were two years ago. Uh, and and evidenced by Travis, they play better the, the latter part of that fourth quarter about, uh, against Georgia. That, that could have been a, uh, a different out, uh, outcome and a groundbreaking game for drink within that staff.
0: Boy, you talk about games of the year for Missouri. How about this home schedule for Missouri in 2023? Uh, Kansas State in Como <laughs> on September yeah. the 16th, uh, LSU in Como on October the 7th, South Carolina in Columbia, Missouri on October the 21st, Tennessee in Como on November the 11th, and <laughs> Florida in Como oh. on November the 18th. And I think I saw something where Missouri, Missouri season tickets were sold out. or
1: They are. They, they are. are at
0: a high watermark. Well, I mean, how about that schedule? And so when we start thinking about games of the year, um, I'm probably going to go with one that is is off the grid. Uh, I'm going to go with Memphis. Yeah. Uh on September yeah. the twenty third, uh in St. Louis. Uh interesting venue for, for that matchup. But um uh Memphis is a formidable uh group of five. Um uh, maybe not to the extent that Mike Norvell had it before he left for Florida State, but still um an AAC team that can that can win at a place uh neutral site, certainly like Missouri. I, I know that Drink has the extension and the new deal and all that that came at the end of last season, but uh, I think that's an important game for him.
1: No, no question. And, and listen, talk about, talk about some rarefied air. Uh, if they're able to win that game and against uh, Kansas State that had a terrific year last year, Travis, they've got a shot at coming into that October 7th game again at home Against LSU, undefeated. Uh, what What in the world would that look like for a, uh, a Missouri team to come in five and old against LSU? Now LSU obviously is the better team with the better roster, but that would do a lot for uh, for that program. So I, I will say that uh, uh, that that LSU game, and boy, you got Kentucky the week after that, but then that LSU game in in October 7th could be uh, gargantuan for them uh, particularly if they can play defense well uh and hold LSU down and, and get themselves into that into that fourth quarter again
0: yeah no doubt i think my pick of memphis i think that's a big game for both the coaches i think ryan yes.
1: silverfield
0: no doubt um, it's a big year for him coming up there at memphis and uh he could certainly use a win like that on the old resume. What about the South Carolina game Cox? You talked about a team that is set at the quarterback position. Nice skill talent around Spencer Rattler. Um, defensively, eh, you know, some decent expectations over there. I guess the lines of scrimmage in general are where you're typically going to look at South Carolina in a league with the likes of Georgia. and Now, Tennessee emerging once again. Um, how the schedule sets up, starting with that matchup with North Carolina in week one, and um, how it sort of progresses from there for Shane Beamer's team. Uh, what does this team need to to kind of figure out between now and and the trip to take on uh, Carolina?
1: I still think they need some help uh, as far as stretching the field. Now this Nick Harbor that they've got, who's a five-star freshman receiver, has really looked good so far. So that, and he could combine there with Antoine Wells, uh, and Trey Knox if they can get healthy. But again, I mean, obviously uh, the offensive line is going to be huge. Uh, they've got they still got some battles uh, that are going on with that. They've got a kid from Syracuse, Jatayus Greer, at defensive end that is. Uh, playing rather well, and they need to get Mo Kaba back, uh, who he tore an ACL uh, also. Uh, but look, if they can get better play defensively and, and give Rattler some weapons uh, and, and get the, the, the running game going, uh, I mean, they could, I mean, Travis, could you see them with another, what, eight and fours type thing? And, uh, and, and with this recruiting w- w- doing well right now uh, with Shane Beamer kind of keeping that momentum going for them. I can. I
0: think that uh, the month of September is a brute right out the gate. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get Drake May and North Carolina uh, in that opener, uh, catch a little bit of a breather with Furman, you would think, in week two. But then you go to Georgia, you host Mississippi State, and you finish the month in Knoxville. Yeah. That's that's formidable. And so with that, as far as a game of the year, I'm going Florida in Columbia on October the 14th because you'll come out of that month of September. You get the bye week the first Saturday, uh, first week of October, but then the Gators come in on the 14th. I, I think that's going to be a huge game for both teams.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm going Mississippi State on September mm-hmm. because it's a sandwich game basically Uh, Before you go to Georgia, and then after Mississippi State, you go to Tennessee. So, and this is kind of along with your thinking, too. Uh, Travis, with those, uh, let's just put this together Uh, at Georgia, Mississippi State, at Tennessee, and Florida. To your point, uh, in that four game stretch, Travis, if they could be two and two, that would make a major plus in their season, wouldn't it?
0: I think so. I think if they can get through that stretch in sort of that type of shape, um, they're going to feel like as they get into October, uh, they can make more of a run. But they they don't catch any breaks in terms no, of really cross-divisional opponents with Mississippi State and Texas A&M. Not that the West is going to provide you with the, anything yeah. that's yeah. easy, um, but, but certainly that won't be the case for South Carolina from that perspective during the upcoming season. Tennessee Vols. You said it, Joe Milton taking over or taking over again, I guess you could say. I think lost in all this is the fact, you know, Joe Milton has been in this spot before, Brent. Yes. And so uh, I know questions about supporting Cass, or White, some of those guys. Uh, Brew McCoy. I really like the running backs uh, that Tennessee's going to put out there once again. Um, offensive line. Uh, Big departure, obviously, at at tackle and uh, kind of figuring out that. And then, as we've talked about many times before, just a general upgrade defensively that they need to undergo on this sort of annual basis uh, under Josh Heupel. Uh,
1: We know the uh, uh, skill positions are going to be fine. But, Trump, they've got a real problem right now with Cooper Mays. Cooper Mays is one of the better centers in the league, uh, and they have – he has missed the majority of count. He's had to have a, a procedure to deal with whatever injuries that he's uh, that he's dealing with. So they, they need to get him back uh, as soon as possible. Now, I give Milton credit. Uh, he's yet to, to throw a pick. Uh, that, that's going to be important. The defensive line depth is better. But, look, I still say, and I've said it since we've been doing the podcast – uh, f- uh, for this year, the, their defense is going to determine what what they do. I mean, Omari Thomas, a, a defensive tackle, they like Dijon Terry, Aaron Beasley has been there for a long time, uh, and linebacker Jalen McCullough. Uh, also, I mean, they got some guys on defense, but but can they put that together uh, for two years in a row? And they're, they're, even though Tennessee's near the top ten, there are a lot of Tennessee doubters out there, Travis.
0: Yeah, and it has, I think, still to do more with the defense, obviously, than anything else. I, I'm a big Aaron Beasley fan. I like to watch that guy, especially when he's in pass rush mode. He is one of the better blitzing linebackers right. that you'll see around the Southeastern Conference. As far as a game of the year, I'm pretty torn here as you go through the back half of the upcoming season because Alabama on October the 21st, I think Kentucky a week later in Lexington, you go Tuscaloosa, Lexington back to back. Uh, That's a dangerous situation. I think uh, potentially for this Tennessee team, but I still, I still land with Georgia. Not so much even because I I'm convinced that that's going to be the, the SEC East championship game. It very well might be. I think it's for Josh Heupel, similar to what Alabama was a year ago, in a similar spot. Alabama in Knoxville, you got a chance to really chip away at the the longtime narrative of that series. That's what this is going to be, or could be, for Tennessee coming up on November the
1: 18th. Travis, I'm going to throw a real wild card in here uh, and go with UTSA. Uh, that this team. is a uh th- they played them in between Florida and South Carolina. And this UTSA bunch, uh that now look, i I've, I know this is a different league and the whole nine yards, but boy, this is a dangerous team. I mean, they've won Conference USA. Uh this Frank Harris at quarterback, Jeff Trailer as head coach. Uh if uh, and I'm not a betting guy, but Travis, that could be. And, and Tennessee obviously has SEC athletes and SEC line of scrimmage. But man, if, if uh, my, my concern for Tennessee in this thing, Travis, they get in a track meet uh, and, and allow UTSA to hang around for three and a half quarters, this could be a very entertaining football game. No doubt. Absolutely
0: could be. Hey, let's talk Texas A&M. Really tough news coming out of College Station as the standout tight end, Donovan Green, knee injury. Brent looks like he's out for the season. I know Texas A&M, similar to Georgia that we talked about earlier with a an injury at tight end, two teams that like to feature tight ends. Um, so the good news there is that I'm not sure Texas A&M has a more complete you yeah. know tight end than Donovan Green. but just in terms of numbers, uh, they have some other guys that should be able to step in and get the job done.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. i I, I mean uh, in, in and Max Wright, Fernando Garza and Jake Johnson, or all guys who could do something with that in replacing him. but but again, I just like Bobby Petrino, what he is capable of doing in, in mixing this up. Uh, at, at this point, I, look, I, a lot of people still think this team is going to be, and I'm not, they're not going to win the West, uh, but I think they could be a lot better than people realize. I mean, that, Travis, this team, this bunch, that Anaya Smith, Moose Muhammad, uh, that interior, that offensive line is going to be very good. Uh, I think defensively, they're better than people think they are. Uh, this team, if If Petrino uh, and Jimbo can relate well and they keep this relationship going that they've got, uh, this could be a dangerous team throughout the year.
0: And I think we'll know a lot about that on October the 7th when Alabama visits uh, College Station. That's why I have Alabama as the game of the year for the Aggies because I'm anticipating – this team working through the month of September in mm-hmm. 5-0 and fashion. And that's saying that I like a to win on the road in week two um, at Miami, another one of those September the 9th games. So that, that might be, uh, you know, undervaluing Miami a little bit, but I, I like AM in that spot. Uh, I think A&M takes care of Auburn at home on the 23rd. I think they are fine against Arkansas in Arlington on September the 30th, and then comes Alabama on October the 7th.
1: And I'm going with that Arkansas game for A&M um, it, uh, just because of uh, uh, could they be looking ahead to, uh, to Alabama in that game. And, and, Travis, the other reality here for them uh, is uh, just that SEC meat grinder that we talk about a lot. I mean, if they lose a starter or two against Auburn, and then a starter or two against Arkansas in what could be a couple of physical games. Not, not that A&M can't win a physical game. They can, but you know, you understand how that works with this thing. By the time they get to October 7th, if they're, let, let's just say they're missing three four starters because of Auburn and Arkansas, that can certainly bode well for the Tide in that game.
0: Absolutely. And so as we wrap things up with the Vanderbilt Commodores, as you said earlier, you've got uh, a college football game in Nashville one week from Saturday uh, at what's left of uh, existing Vanderbilt Stadium, I guess. Really going through some massive changes there, which I know Vanderbilt's caught some grief about this, that this is going on in season. But I think, what are we talking about? A $300 million project? I mean, it's essentially going to be a new stadium, a new facility. So I'm guessing if you're Clark Lee, you can kind of withstand some of this stuff that you're having to live with. Because, you know, the end result is going to be something not only much needed, but something that, uh, you know, really puts a stamp on Vanderbilt at least making an effort to compete on the football field.
1: Yeah, and my understanding is that that stadium is going to be, like, limited about 24,000 seats uh, in this year. But, yeah, that that's worth going through that to, uh, to, to get the end result. Gosh, there's – I remember when I lived in Fort Worth, Texas, Trav, there are high school teams uh, in that Dallas area that, that have a bigger stadium than that. But that's understandable. And, look, at five and seven, uh, frankly – I, I I give Clark Lee a lot of credit for what he's done with this bunch. I mean, I like A.J. Swan. Uh, I think you do, too, and Will Shepard. Uh, so they've got some weapons. Obviously, again, the big story is, can they hold up? I think they're secondary. And as a senior-laden secondary, B.J. Anderson and, and to Ricky Wright and Jalen Mahoney and some of those guys – Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm not saying there'll be five and seven, but as as you and I've talked and and you raised this point before, boy, that, that, that month of September is gargantuan for Vandy, isn't it, Trav? It is.
0: It really is. I'll, I'll give you an interesting game too. When we talk about, um, game of the year or just, uh, some games, uh, the trip to UNLV, to, to go to Vegas yeah. a week after hosting or going to Wake Forest, um, very interesting schedule when you look at it. I'm gonna go with Missouri as the game of the year because it's a home game for Vanderbilt. Not that that's really mattered much for <laughs> Vanderbilt, um, yeah. and and certainly as is the case right now with the uh, current situation uh, from a facility perspective, probably won't matter as much this time around either. But I, I think that game to cap the month of September uh, for a team hoping to take another step uh, and solidify bowl eligibility, you know, you you should beat Hawaii a week from Saturday in Nashville, Alabama A&M's a win pivotal games though, with Wake Forest on the road on September the 9th and UNLV a week later. And that's before Kentucky comes in on the 23rd. So I'm thinking Vandy at the time of Missouri's um, trip, to Nashville should be three and two at worst. Yeah. I uh, could be four and one. And so then you get the home game with Missouri. You win that game by the end of September, you could have bowl eligibility all but sewn up.
1: Well, that'd be tremendous for them to be able to do that too. And and again, the, the great thing for Vandy is always going to be is the, um, uh, the possibility of them getting to a bowl because of their, uh, academic situation also. Now, again, uh, obviously uh, uh, Sam Hartman's not at weight, but I think that game is going to be really crucial for them. I agree with you totally on that. If they win that game to be 4-0 going against Kentucky, I think would be uh, uh, certainly huge. So, again, uh, minor improvements end up being – uh, big things after a while. And listen, they put a they put a statue up for uh, Clark Lee. Wouldn't they try but they could? they could get about uh, two or three bowl games and get around five hundred for a while.
0: Yeah, you know, you know we talked a lot about quarterback on the podcast as we typically do here on Second Helping. And as we get out of here, I'm seeing now as we record from Auburn Live, the Auburn on Three website is reporting that Michigan State transfer Peyton Thorne is expected to be named Auburn starting quarterback wow. for the season opener. So there you go. Some quarterback news and some quarterback situations clearing up here, real time on the podcast, Brent. And with that, it's been a lot of fun. We've covered a lot of ground, no doubt about it. I'm giving you something on all 14 teams in the Southeastern Conference. Anything else, Brent, before we get out of here?
1: Uh, I think that uh, for, from what I from what I hear, uh, there is a demand uh, for a pop update uh, and, and how he's doing it or, or or expectations rising for uh, for pop as this season comes closer.
0: Yeah, Pop's you know a longtime gator fan. and so we went to uh, we took he and Nana to dinner last night. It was, uh, as we record this, it was Wednesday night and he had an, he had a gator orange shirt on. <laughs> and I, I said, it looks like you're ready. looks like maybe your confidence is soaring. Of course he shot that down quickly <laughs> being the curmudgeon that he is. So, uh, yes. we'll see, you know, it's always something with pops, but, uh, he's doing pretty well, doing pretty well. All right, bud, that ought to do it for the latest edition of second helping, uh, look forward to it next week we got to do you know we got to be more consistent you know we're like nick saban with those receivers right we got to be more right. consistent so
1: yeah yeah absolutely and, and by the way i meant i meant to mention justice boone speaking of pops favorite team uh it, season ending injury so they'll have to uh, to deal with that we'll talk more about that uh next week but trap always always good to be back my friend we look forward to uh certainly going through the season that, that's coming in and unbelievably previewing some games next week.
0: Absolutely. Preview. Wow. That sounds awesome. For Brent Beard, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping, the podcast of choice for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. And until next time, so long, everybody.